Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to an episode of Funbo Diplomacy Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm trying to get all these ads and things out of the way first, so let's get right down to it. Uh, if you use Amazon and you want to support the podcast, please go on my website, funboatdiplomacy.com. Um, and on the right-hand side of any page, um, I have my Amazon portal link, so you can use that uh, and shop as you normally would, and you don't have to pay anything extra. Amazon gives me a sm- small cut of what you uh, pay for your purchase, and I get to continue putting out episodes of the podcasts and also writing uh, on the website. What was the last thing I put up? Um, what was that? Let me pull that up. Let me see. It's been a while since I've checked. I remember it being interesting. What was it? Well, I guess everything I put up is something I think is interesting, or I wouldn't write about it. Oh, yeah, okay. It was a little write-up on the gig uh, last week at a rickshaw stop, a venue here in San Francisco from uh, Radiation City and Deep Sea Diver. Check it out. Two really awesome bands, and also a local uh, band, Eternal Drag. Uh, We'll see them in the future. Um... On top of that, I am, for the upcoming week and couple days, the interim manager of the Pacific Tradewinds Hostel. So if you want to come stay with me, I've got you a discount, uh, as always, um, Pacific Tradewinds Hostel here in downtown San Francisco. If you want to come stay, it would be around $32, dollars plus you can get a $3 discount with my... Discount code Wayman's Friend Three. That's W E I M I N S F R I E N D Three, and I knocked down that price down to three down three dollars, so it would be like thirty, twenty-seven dollars, something like that. It's a great city, great weather now. Uh, I'm out biking every day because it's beautiful. Um, otherwise, uh, we can jump right into this week's episode, if you guys are ready. This week's episode with Hezekiah Crocker. Welcome to a new episode of the Fun Boat Diplomacy Podcast. I'm here today with Hezekiah Crocker. Greetings, everyone. Greetings. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being on. Of course, of course. Nice to be here. And it's a nice day. It's beautiful today. Yeah. We're sitting near the water. Is this like a is this is this man made or? Yeah, this is entirely man made. Yeah. Which I'm not mad about. Is this know? like a sort of gentle? Yeah. Gentle you know, river. they should really should call it like men made because I how I doubt that one man made this. Yeah. You know, man made. That's just. That's be impressive though. Yeah. If one do, ah oh, man, that'd be a really sucky job. If you're like, hey, jo- Joe, go uh, go, go make, th- go dig, dig this, this canal real quick. Like, yeah. real what if quick? one person made the Panama Canal? Oh my god. That dude would be. Uh... <laughs> He'd be ripped. Yeah. Well, He'd have to be. He, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, unless they got like a computer scientist like build a robot to do it, then he would. So it'd be, be like that scientist made a robot that did it. So that scientist gets the credit. I guess, but then it wouldn't be robot made then. Yeah, that's uh, true. That's kind of sad, though. It's like that, doesn't that robot that beat Ken Jennings um, on Jeopardy um, doesn't, doesn't have a name? There's a robot in... What? He, he, like, he beat someone in Jeopardy because, like, you could just search. Like, the robot could just oh search the answer. That's, that's so cheap. That's yeah. like a cheat code. But I don't know. that They had a name. 
I, anyway. That's like going to a spelling deal with a dictionary. Like, yeah. You can't yeah. really do that. And a dictionary that can search, like, you can, it can, it's like an electronic dictionary. Yeah. You don't have to flip the pages. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're here in Silicon Valley. Mm. This is part of Silicon Valley, right? mm-hmm. And so, uh, it just feels like the future out here. You're talking about, uh, self, we, I just visited Stanford, and, mm-hmm. uh, you're talking about self-driving cars Dude, and they're everything. everywhere. I wish I, I wish you saw one on the road. We, we got close to one, well... Google Express car is still a Google car, but it's not a self-driving Someone drives one. it. Yeah. yeah. Which, I don't understand why they don't just make all their Express delivery cars, like, you know, self-driving yeah. cars. But I think, and here, here it's, it's it's normal to see Google have a car. Yeah. But if you're, you say that to somebody else, I'm like, holy shit. Well, it's yeah. like, there's this novelty. <laughs> there's so much novelty here when you first arrive in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. that, I mean, when I saw the Twitter headquarters, for example, when I saw mm-hmm. all these, uh, the, the Uber, the, um, uh, all, a bunch of like um, work apps. Oh yeah, you can, you can just be like, oh, I want to work today. Boop, and then there you go. Yeah, I have three of them. I have three. Really? Yeah. I, I've, of course, you have to fill out forms and stuff to okay. like become an employee under the, right. the organization. Yeah, like sign your soul away. But uh, but you, yeah, I can just say, oh, today I don't have shit to do, so I want to work. Put on a shift, and then they they assign you something. Oh my gosh. And that's just, yeah. That's that's, it, that's that's the future, dude. Yeah, because that's the thing is um, the whole idea of having specializations and things uh, mm-hmm. is a sort of still a part of the industrial revolution mm. mentality mm. whereas now if you're more flexible mm-hmm. that's and creative mm-hmm. uh, that's where um, that's where it's headed yeah it's, it's headed like that so that people aren't rewarded as much for being specialists in things as much as being uh, generalists with a lot of things and just being creative yeah you can't really program creativity mm-hmm. you know I feel like as much as AI and like artificial intelligence is, which is the same thing as AI, as much as those things are becoming, you know, higher demand. I'm gonna step up and go grip my beer. I'll go ahead and just rant real quick. But, yeah, like AI is becoming a big thing, but AI can never be creative. Um, It can't create a painting that, you know, is abstract. I mean, it probably could, but it wouldn't be as interesting as someone who put thought into it. Then that gets in a deep conversation, because, if you, given that, okay, there's a couple of things you need to unpack there. Okay, so like, okay. So, given that every, every thought that you have and everything, if, if we're saying that those are all impulses in the brain, like electrical sparks mm-hmm. in the brain, uh, then it would theoretically be possible to make a computer so advanced that it could be like a human brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem with that is that uh, it's there's more connections that can be made in the brain than there are stars in the universe, which is insane. Yeah. So theoretically, yes, we could uh, do this with a computer, uh, and maybe people would argue that you you can and very soon. Mm. Um, but then there's this number, this astronomical, unfathomable number mm-hmm. that we uh, have or volume that we have, and. Um, so yeah, maybe one day artificial intelligence. Right now, it's just a basically machine stupid, machine yeah. learning, and it can only learn what it's told to learn. True. Um, but the kids maybe, right now, basically. Yeah. So maybe one day. Well, look, look, how, at, look at it this way. This is a thought experiment. If you had like one guy and one robot, and you asked them both to make a cat video, just a a video about a cat that wants to go buy some catnip, I guarantee you the robot wouldn't be able to do it only because it would only know keywords like cat 
and catnip and it wouldn't be able to draw a story arch based on those things that mm. was compelling and but as a human being you're like oh well I would make a story about a cat and he's like going to the store and he tries to buy catnip but he almost gets hit by a car and he meets a friend and, you know yeah. like you would to be introduce able to draw other elements yeah out of, out of your own other like yeah. story elements like um, inciting incidents like there's there's that's the scary thing too is like even if, like man if we're talking about story too like there's like three act structure you know there's formulas to creating right. stories that people find compelling for some reason and you it, it's weird that people that we have these formulas for stories that we enjoy mm -hmm. you know you would think that a good story is just a good story and there's not much to it but I learned in film school they're like no you have to have a three act structure and then you have to have an inciting incident that launches you into that second act and then you have to have a climax and then you have to have falling action but to me like it's like man like you why would there be if there's a formula for it then like what is art like is it just what is math? creativity yeah what is creativity is it just go like everything boils down to just algorithms and and I'm not good at math, so I'm like, I, I, suck at, <laughs> I suck at math, so I can't make a good story. Well, let's let's go back a bit. You, uh, you were talking about you going to film school. You want to introduce yourself mm. real quick to the audience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hezekiah Crocker. Uh, I went to film school for four years. Before that, I went to uh, a private school that I had to teach myself film because they didn't have a film program there. Um, and really, I didn't start getting into it until that year. Uh, my whole life, pretty much, I played tennis. Like, that's all I knew. Like, and uh, ever since I was eight, I wanted to be a professional tennis player. But um, that didn't work out. <laughs> I mean, it's not um, easy. Either. It's not easy. Um, actually, I kind of got out of it because of one coach. It, like, kind of discouraged me from it in high school, and I just never picked it up again. And, yeah, he was kind of, he was kind of a... I like to get on his nerves a lot. Like, for instance, one time he was like... Hey guys, uh, we just got like some new jerseys. They're 100% cotton, um, and they might make you sweat a little bit, but yeah, they're they're great jerseys. And I just go, don't worry, coach. It's not the first time cotton's made me sweat. And he immediately, immediately, he was like, okay, you need to leave, <laughs> I'm like, dude. <laughs> but yeah, I I'm also a comedian. I love to do comedy series. I love to do like stories about comedy because I think that life is just too serious. You know, people need to laugh more. And a lot of times, like, there's already, like, reality's already pretty, uh, heavy, heavy, you know? So why not make something that takes people out of, like, their daily lives, you know? So, Every yeah. aspect should be joked about. Yeah, exactly. Every you can't laugh about it, then. And then it becomes dogma. Yeah. Yep. And, so, and I don't like dogma. Yeah, or dogs. So, you don't like dogs? No, I love dogs. That's okay. not, that's true. That's not, that's not true. <laughs> You're trying to joke about it. Yeah, I was trying to, but then I realized that I was lying, and I was like, that, no, I like yeah, dogs you gotta a be lot. truthful when you're, when you're, uh, when you're doing comedy as well that's another <laughs> yeah. thing yeah actually another thing about comedy is you can be and, it's, and I learned this for the SAT for some reason they told us when you're writing essays take an opposite point of view mm -hmm. because then you'll find it easier to come up for reasons against your point of view than you would to try and come up with your with reasons to support your own point mm -hmm. of view because you kind of like start I guess if you're if you're kind of a comedian you kind of find yourself scrambling like trying to find like like Hitler was a great guy because well, he was charismatic, you know, he, he was a good speaker, and he actually led, like, a lot of people, which was very impressive. Like, you know, it's, it's weird how your brain works. Like, if you put yourself on the opposite point mm -hmm. perspective, you can, like, jump in those shoes pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyways, let's not talk about the SAT. So, <laughs> yeah, fuck the SAT. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's like a, a bar that's set to a, 
for a goal that's a lie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, pretty we, much. So we were talking about college before and how you, everyone who went realizes at some point, but doesn't um, want to admit a lot mm-hmm. most of the time that it it was a it, you you got waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> so the SATs is like I gotta reach that goal, and then when you get to it, it's like oh wait, that was all. Yep. You know what's scam. you know what's also interesting that you bring up college is like I've had this thought a couple of times like I feel like most of the stuff I've learned about film I've taught myself mm-hmm. even going through college classes I've learned some technical things but most of like the creative part where I've gotten jobs based off of um, my own creativity that's stuff that I couldn't learn in college like mm-hmm. you can't teach someone to be creative really and uh, what's interesting about that is like would it, it's becoming a point where like if if hypothetically college isn't really like teaching you the things you need to know hey, puppy. what's up puppy he's a, he's adorable <laughs> yeah hi that's oh, such a cute dog yeah you're right i do love dogs <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah if college is a waste of time then is it it's a waste of money it's I'm a waste not, of I'm money i'm not going to say it's a waste of t- it's a waste is of it, time for some people it's a waste of time for some people but is it possible that, like, we're going to reach a point where... Because information's everywhere. Like, you can Google whatever you want. But certain information might be, like, confidential. Like, you, they'll start, like, charging for certain information. Like, mm. colleges will start charging for more insider information mm. on film industries and stuff like that. Mm. And it'll be harder to find the information you need to become a creative in, a, in the industry. I think that's unique to industries. Yeah. So, like, I mean... Let's say, for example, uh, business people. Maybe they have insider things on business, mm. film, insider mm-hmm. things on film. If you're learning like history, yeah, that'd be kind of hard. Like, they're you not. Can't... They're not. They don't have like Illuminati secrets that they're, <laughs> they're keeping from everyone you else. Can't, who you can't pay go for a to a twelve twelve year old and be like, "I'll pay you two bucks and I'll let you know who won World War Two. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Like, yeah, you just give, gotta give me two bucks and I'll let you know. It reminds me of uh, on the Simpsons once. It was like the right before they're leaving. Uh, their um, school is up for summer, mm-hmm. and uh, like it, it, the bell rings mm-hmm. at three o'clock, and they're like, "Yay!" And uh, they're like, "But wait, who won? Who won the war?" And like, "We won the war!" <laughs> like, <"Yeah." laughs> so they're just rocking out. <laughs> That's great. That's epic. Yeah, school is cool though. Stay, everyone stay in school. I'm not saying you shouldn't Depends. go to school. Asterisk. Asterisk. Some people shouldn't, you don't need to go to school. This is where you put in the, like, you know those, like, radio ads where someone, like, says, like, buy this product. It will not save you from this and this. Yeah, and yeah, this. You got all That's where you put that whole, that whole paragraph just yeah. entered here. Because I don't regret going to school. Um, yeah, I learned so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in terms of what I was learning, history and uh, international relations, mm-hmm. I got the, um, like, the soulless uh, framework that I need. Yeah. But to learn, like, with the passion and uh, the heart that you need to be a statesman. I'm mm-hmm. not a statesman. I'm not. But, You're not? But, <laughs> no, I mean... Uh, I could have sworn you were. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be great, but uh, also shitty, because then I'd be working a lot. I can't take oh naps, like I said before. Ugh. I love taking naps. You can't take naps while you're uh, in politics. That sucks. But, um, yeah, so, uh, you need that... Um, to, to be a statesman, to have the passion and emotion behind mm-hmm. it. But uh, I learned that mostly from uh, meeting people from around the world. Because mm-hmm. um, like you, you learn about, uh, I don't know, you learn about the crazy shit that the Japanese did in World War II. Like, you have this certain image of it. Uh, I still hold a, a little bit of grudge because they won't, they won't fucking admit to their 
of shit. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I mean, you meet Japanese people; they're they're nice, and there's everybody around the world. There, most people are just nice. And yeah, like, history likes to paint uh, a like nice st- picture, like the stereotypes, mm-hmm. uh, like the like so that it fits into a box. Yeah, and um, it already learning it, learning it from the theoretical and book point of view, it, it's really complicated. Right. But then you get to the. Uh, you get to meeting actual people who you read about in the book, and you're like, it's even more complicated because if you're a nice guy, but these guys weren't, if you're all like, and then you're, yeah. you're just like, whoa, 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 so can't we, if we can get along, can't we can all we, get along? We all get, <laughs> then we don't need to fucking uh, spend money on rockets. Military. And stuff. That, stuff. Gets, that gets too uh, hippie, hippie. granola on, yeah. on, on this, but it's whatever. Like peace and love forever yeah. kind but of thing. But we're, we're in California, so. Yeah, we're allowed to do that. We're, we're away from it all, you know. Would That's, you s- would you say that <clears throat> what's what was more impactful, the people or the knowledge you, you found at college? More impactful. Mm-hmm. Like, what did you feel affected you most in like your day to day life today, like right now? If you say looking back on it, would you say the people? Did I would you... say the people, but without that, um, the challenge mm-hmm. uh, of of the learning process in college. Mm-hmm. Um, that wouldn't I wouldn't have had the foundation to uh, to navigate the people. Mm. You know? um, college was a big uh, like social learning experience. It was like it was like you took the prom and strung it out four years because it was such a, like a social like popularity had contest had kind of thing. thing. Uh, no, it's not because then when you get to college, you can find the people who who. Uh, who Click. You, you can be on the same page with. Right, that's true. Stuff, which took me time. My first year, I didn't, nobody in my, uh, maybe like two people in my dorm who I really, really, really clicked with. Mm-hmm. We were all good friends. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, because we were all living together. We were all good friends, but not like forever friends. You know? <laughs> best friends. Which I, which I do BFFs. have from, from college. Uh, cool. People who I still keep in touch with. It's good. That's good. Yeah. You said earlier, you were like, you know, as a politician, you can't sleep or take a nap. Maybe not sleep, but you can't take a nap. Mm-hmm. When do you think, like, I, I like this is all hypothetical. I really hope they cure sleep so that no one has to sleep anymore and everyone can just keep working. Because I feel like sleep is just kind of a waste of time in some yeah. way. You know, like, you're just eight hours of okay. your life just gone. So, yes, in terms of productivity mm-hmm. and being in this consciousness. Yeah. Then it gets weird because then... We you don't can die if yeah. you don't sleep. And we were thinking of... Uh, I was thinking more uh, dreams. Oh. Because that shit, it, it is important. We we know, for, in some way, it's important, mm-hmm. but we don't really know why. why. And, but it could be enormously important in ways that we don't even know. Yeah. Uh, and one thing that we have to have to think about, uh, in terms of dreams, that maybe not everyone will talk about, but uh, the fact that um, dreams, in a purely scientific form. They probably come from the pineal gland, which is this... There's a gland in the brain that's right here in the middle of the, uh, where the forehead is. Uh-huh. Uh, and it releases a chemical called dimethyltryptamine. That sounds incredible. And uh, <laughs> dimethyltryptamine is DMT. Oh, that's what... Yeah. That's why it sounds incredible. Yeah, that's... Because it is incredible. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's released naturally in, in REM sleep. Mm. Um, and that's why in all... Isn't it released like when you're born and then when you die? So in all spiritual, uh, like in religions and things, they talk about uh, the crazy, like traumatic, like 
experience of being born mm -hmm. and then seeing your whole life pass before your eyes when you're dying because uh, it's it's all uh, there's a huge release in these two moments mm -hmm. but when you're having it in REM sleep it's, it's released in small doses mm -hmm. and that's why in spiritual uh, circles they call this the third eye because mm. it's right here because it's right above your other eyes yeah, yeah. so that's uh, cool maybe it's very important maybe I think it's important yeah I, mean, I would say sleep would is important in the sense of because the chemicals it releases, mm -hmm. but I and just to play devil's advocate, I would say there it's it's more it's more beneficial for you to be conscious and active in the moment than it is for you to be in an isolated experience. I guess you know what I mean. Like, I don't know if I agree with that. I'm not. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Because, I don't agree with it. I'm just <laughs> maybe maybe I t I don't know if I told you. Uh, my experiences in the sensory deprivation tank. What? Then you, you are went by, to one of then, those? You, then you are by yourself. Yeah. And not only by yourself, but deprived of a lot of, your of senses. senses. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I wanted so, to try that for the yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this, and I want to pivot into the VR. Because, oh, yes. Because, uh, okay, I'll, 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 I don't know if I've, ex I've, I've shared on the podcast um, this experience, but mm. while I was in Berlin, I was on scholarship money. And uh, with 550 euros of my scholarship money, which is almost a month of <laughs> a month of money, uh, I did 10 sessions in the sensory deprivation tank. Uh, in this place in, uh, I think it's in Prenzlauerberg in, in south, uh, northeast Berlin. Uh, I took a train there. It took like a 40 minutes every time I went. But uh, I, I went there, and uh, it's an hour and a half each session. Okay. And you, you get in, and I mean, the first time you... I don't recommend anyone get, go in just for, like just once, right? Or, or for a short period. You got to do it long, right. And you got to do it habitually, okay? Um, because the first time you get in, you're still getting used to this new environment, okay. Which is uh, without sound, without sight, um, without smell. There's nothing really to smell. It's yeah. salt, sure. Um, but you're floating in a, in a tank of salt in the darkness uh, with warm. The water is warm, body temperature, and you don't you don't feel your body mm -hmm. eventually. So the first time you're in there, you're sort of bumping into you're like. Oh, oh, I hit the side, shit. And then you kind of lose, you're not getting into the correct state. Mm. But once you get into it, there was one time, the most vivid time that I had it, was uh, the week before we were, as a, as the school program, we were going to uh, go to go to France. Mm -hmm. One of our, the destinations was Verdun, which is where they had a, uh, there was a battle there in the First World War. Mm -hmm. That could be a whole podcast. There are podcasts yeah. about that. Um, Dan Carlin's hardcore history. He goes like really detailed into into, uh, into the Battle of Verdun. Uh, I had studied it really um, detailed uh, in my military classes in school, but um, so it was in my head while I was going into the tank. Okay. So I go in, and at some point in my uh, in my float, um, I'm in a trench in the First World War. Like I'm just I'm in a trench. There was no indication that it was First World War, but I knew, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I, I reached my hand out, and I touched the side of the trench, mm -hmm. and I could feel the cold uh, earth what? of the trench. I was like, wow, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, it was like man. this cold uh, soil. Uh, and I'm looking around, and then someone blows the whistle, which means everyone's, it's a major offensive. You get up out of the trench, you pull yourself, so I pull myself out of the trench, and you're supposed to run at the other side to try to try to take the, the other, other oh, trench. Oh, crap. And so I'm running, running, machine guns, mortars everywhere. <laughs> and while I'm, while I'm running, uh, I understood that adrenaline was pumping, mm -hmm. so I wasn't feeling this, uh, the, um, what was going on around me. I was like, all right, I got to go there. But then I, I jump into a, a mortar hole, and I crouch, uh -huh. and 
when I crouch and take that moment to think about what's going on, I realize that this is, uh, to me, it's real, uh-huh. and it's the most terrifying thing I've ever experienced because Shit. I'm in I'm in the war, <laughs> oh, uh, and that's that's as far as I remember. But so now you can tell people you were in the war. I'm not. Don't say that. But it's uh, that makes me think about VR because. Mm. Well, do you want to explain your role in VR? Because mm-hmm. you're the one who first ever showed me VR. Really? I've I've always been curious. Okay. I've seen people. I've seen people use it around San Francisco. That's another thing mm. people should need to understand about Silicon Valley is like you see the cutting edge things like the cars and the stuff that's gonna blow yeah, up is but, usually hits but, Silicon Valley. Yeah. So the, one of the first things I um, was blown away by was seeing people with these headsets on trying them out, mm. and of course it's in a very early stage. Mm-hmm. But it, and even in this early stage, the implications are huge. It's incredible. Though. Yeah. So. Why don't you explain a bit what you do with VR, what All right. what what interests you about VR? Well, overall, uh, I pretty much right now I'm trying to start courses to teach people how to create environments that they can um, put themselves in in VR. Because um, I think it's important, one, to open up the, the gate, like kind of like the gate for uh, content creators mm-hmm. so that we have more people experimenting, we have more of these ex- like experimental um, uh, uses for VR and then we can further theor- theorize what we want. I don't know if theorize is worth theory. I also want to mention to the audience that VR means virtual reality. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't virtual even... reality. Virtual reality, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got these headsets now. You just stick your Samsung phone in mm-hmm. it, and you can do Put it on things. your face like goggles, yeah. and you can look around, and you're inside of a room. You're inside of a space because um, it's, it's tracked to your actual location, so you can actually like look around, and yeah. it's pretty cool. But... um. Yeah, I was first introduced to, by, into VR by my friend Aaron, who you met. Yeah. Um, Aaron's a long, long friend of mine who I met in college. And uh, he was, he's was he been following the VR community for years, mm-hmm. years, since it was, like first started. And uh, it was it was a cool experience. He first showed me my VR experience on a Google Cardboard device. It was like one of those, you can still get one, but it's like on any phone, any Android phone, you can put it in this cardboard piece. And it has these lenses on it, and... Um, you can look around inside the space, but the tracking's not that well, so it makes you feel like you're drunk. It sometimes it'll like shift uh, okay. a little bit, you know. But uh, Samsung just released a new one called uh, Samsung Gear VR, and that one works for every Samsung phone that's come out this year, and uh, well, 2015 because it's 2016 now. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's one of the coolest experiences ever. I played the coolest game ever the other day. It's called Drift, and you're a bullet in slow motion moving through a room. You have to guide yourself like through like doors and hallways and like, like hit your wanted. target. Yeah, like in Wanted, you're, like you're like curving and stuff. It's so cool. Like and the design is really neat too. But I recommend that everyone try it at least once because every time I've tried people with like your VR, they're just like why is this not already like everywhere? Mm-hmm. You know, they're like why is this not already a thing? But yeah. VR is awesome because and particularly VR filmmaking is one of the coolest experiences ever. Like when I first saw my when I saw my first VR film, it was it was like I had seen my first movie ever. Mm. Like it was like walking into a movie theater and then seeing it and being like, "Whoa, this is amazing," because it puts you in that space. It's like a, it it cuts off one of your senses entirely. Like you can't see. You don't have any sense of like where you are and in the actual room you're in. You're in this movie now, and you put it on. And what's cool is like. You could you could be like in the backseat of a car watching two people like chat in front of you and like it, you you just feel like you're sitting there, and it's just a level of immersion that you don't get with any other kind of medium really. 
mm-hmm. um, besides maybe drugs, but I don't think that's a medium. <laughs> Just, that's a that's a substance. <laughs> but, yeah, that's uh, different. It's that's not. entirely different. Yeah. But um, yeah, with uh. But gear. if you're on the drugs, then you can't really tell the difference. You can't really tell the difference. Like, <laughs> I'm like, man, this is a medium. <laughs> this is a medium, guys. They're like, uh, all right. Yeah. Um, that lines get yeah. blurred by the medium itself. <laughs> mm, yeah, very, very quickly it does. Yeah. But yeah, what, what, I want to ask, like, what was your first impression of of being in VR when you first put on those heads, that those goggles, like? Because um, yeah, okay, so I came to the quick realization of space. Mm. Uh, because in theory, if you're watching, if you're reading about it, you're watching it mm-hmm. and hearing about it online, uh, you, um, you, you understand the th- theoretically what that mean, the implication is, yeah. but to f- experience it and feel it is completely different. So yeah. like I, like I was explaining to you, I always, what I wanted to do with VR is play survival horror games because yeah. I wanted to feel like you, like I was in there like, as close as I can to mm-hmm. be there. But then as soon as I put on the VR headset to play that survival... What, what game was it? Uh, uh, it was Dreadhalls. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. As soon as I put it on and I saw how dark it was, <laughs> and I was like, well, for no, those, no, no, For no. those who aren't familiar with Dreadhalls, it's a survival game where you're in a dungeon um, and you're trying to traverse this dungeon for items and stuff that help you move into the next area so you can get out. And what's, what's horrifying about it is that you have a lantern... And it's pitch black dark, and you have to be careful of your lantern because it runs out of oil a lot of times. And it was, and when it gets dark in VR, it actually like feels like it's dark. Yeah, you can't it see feels anything. Like you're in, you're like, it's like you're in the basement. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, you're, you're, like as a kid, you're in the basement, you shut off the light, you got to run really quick to the door. <laughs> yeah. it's, it feels like that. It's exactly it's like that. that. Feeling. That's yeah. That's the great, the greatest explanation I've heard of it so far. But horror genre is going to change so much when it in VR, like. Because when it comes to, like, watching horror, you can always look away from the screen and, like, reassure yourself, like, I'm not actually in this movie, like, this is just a movie, it's whatever. But with VR, you can't do that. Like, you're in it. And unless you take the goggles off or close your eyes, you're going to be in it, like, no matter what. You can look around and stuff, but it's it's the entire environment around you is that space. One of my favorite um, VR films ever of all time, it's called Catatonic. It was the first VR horror film I've ever seen. And... You are, um, they want you to sit in the couch when you watch it, just sit down, and when you put it on, you're this dude who's who's been chained to a wheelchair being pushed through an insane asylum, and as you're, like, being pushed through, you feel like you're actually in the wheelchair, and you can look around and see everyone else in their room just, like, going crazy, like, just losing it, and when you turn around and look behind you, and this is what I think is really genius about it, but when you turn around and look behind you, there's just this big black guy who's just, like, pushing you, you can't see behind you, and he's just looking down at you being, like, we're going to take great care of you. Like, just talking all this shit. And it's just, like, it's really unnerving. The thing I, like, I appreciate about that is when you first put on the VR goggles, a lot of people, they realize, the first, they, the first thing they do is they turn their head and they realize that they're in an environment that they can actually look around. The second thing they do is they usually turn around all the way because they want to see what's behind them to get their orientation of where they are. But in that movie, when you turn around to look behind you, you can't see behind you. So it focuses all your attention in front of you while you're sitting down. And I thought that was really genius because one of the things they struggle with with VR filmmaking is because it's a, an entire uh, surrounding area, if something's happening right here and you can, you're looking you can over there, focus and miss it. you can miss it. Yeah, yeah, you can absolutely miss what you're trying, what they, the person who made it is trying to get you to see. Um, so there's going to be a lot of like struggles with, uh, very, a lot of struggles but a lot of creative solutions to that problem. 
Um, and I'm really excited to kind of just see what people come up with, like, the kind of ways that people can direct your attention very naturally without it feeling forced. Because if, if you, like, are saying, hey, look at this right here, some guy's like, look, turn around over there. <laughs> You're like, okay, sure. <laughs> I'll do it, but that's very contri- contrived. I can't really relate to that. But if you have, like, just some guy pushing you in a wheelchair and you can't see behind him, it's a very obvious, like, okay, so I can't see behind me. I'm going to have to focus on what's in front of me. Yeah. I mean, they've worked on that in video games to try mm. to guide you to where... Like, yeah. the story-based video games, they guide you to where you need to go mm-hmm. somehow. So I think it'll be sort of the same, but in a film setting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's just, like, really... It's really just where you're looking. Yeah. Thing. One um, of my favorite parts of that film, too, is... And uh, I'll show you at some point, but... Favorite part is when this guy, like... The guy who's been pushing you pushes you to the edge of these steps, and you stop. And it's the first time you stopped in you know, the entire, like, film. And you're looking down the stairs, and you're like, oh, shit, am I going to get pushed? And you sit there for about 30 seconds and don't move. And eventually, when you turn around, you see that the black guy's not there anymore. And down the hallway, is, in the dark, is some dude wearing this, like, freaky-ass mask. And he's just staring at you down the hallway. And that was the moment where I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> that was insane. <laughs> like, and he just, like, charges at you and then pushes you down the stairs. And then you're just, like, riding in. You, you don't have any control over, like, what's happening. Yeah. You just have to experience it. And that's, that's the cool thing about VR, definitely, is the experience. And, yeah, another, another thing is, like, you can't, like, me just explaining it to you right now, like, it's not the same as actually, like, putting it on and actually yeah, experiencing it. That's what I was saying yeah. about survival horror. It's like, mm-hmm. in theory, that sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. But when you're experiencing it, you're there. You're so actually in that. That's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. crazy. VR is crazy, man. It's going to blow up. Like, this is the year for VR. I'm saying it now, everyone. This is the year for VR. It's going to blow up. Everyone's going to have one by the end of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm calling it. But uh, I can't wait to see the creative things. Mm -hmm. um, What's really interesting is that it's so immersive and so... Right now, it's it's baby steps, but it's going to get believable. For just being what it is. It's going to be so believable. Then it gets to, like, the weird, like... uh, woo-woo sort of um, talk about what if we are in VR right now. Dude, you, you, I read this Gizmodo article. And it's like, it's so believable. Because, <laughs> like, you're gonna, they're gonna make VR so real mm-hmm. that it feels, I mean, like they're gonna get every little thing right. Yep. So what's to say that we're not there already? And then, or, if, if we, uh, we've done it multiple times <laughs> if we went into a VR and in that VR created VRs yep um, VRception is that even, is that <laughs> worth thinking about yeah um, it, Gizmodo wrote an article that was uh, five reasons why we're actually in a virtual reality yeah and one of my favorite points was uh, there's a speed limit to our universe mm-hmm. that's the speed of light yeah like nothing can go faster than the speed of light another reason is space is malleable like around planets that have a very high gravity space distorts right um and that alone just tells us, like, our reality, like, everything that what we re- relate to is so fickle. You know what I mean? It's it's so, like, it can be changed in the universe somewhere. And in some other part of the universe, just look at a black hole. It's just a blob of unknown physics. Like, no, it's just a soup of, of shit we don't understand, you know? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a part of the video game that's like, yeah, you guys should have fixed that uh, <laughs> yeah. when you launched this shit. It's the glitch. <laughs> yeah. It's the glitch yeah. in the Matrix, man. Yeah, but it's all, I mean... That's what coincidences and deja vus mm-hmm. are, I think. It's mm-hmm. just like, well, they're not glitches, they're just... And they're not coincidences, it's just things that you notice mm-hmm. about um, about this reality. Yeah. 
uh, one of the things I like to bring up is when I was I was wandering the um, the Sahara Desert by myself. In, what? Uh, in, First uh, of all, let me stop you there. <laughs> that sounds incredibly badass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like it was. I mean, it was with like a tour group of like I was just wandering, uh, and so we were staying at a casbah, which is like sort of like a mud hut compound sort of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's another casbah down around. So there's like it's like a, kind of an oasis a little bit, but so there's like a big big lake more okay. or less, and there's a casbah around the corner too. So like I was with uh, I went by myself, but I was with these two uh, a girl and a guy from Spain. Yeah, and we uh, we went we went over to the other casbah. And there's a pool there, and I see this guy, and he's he's standing around the pool, and uh, he's walking around. I'm like, that guy looks like uh, I was studying in Lisbon at the time, mm-hmm. and I, I knew this guy named Surin. I was like, that guy looks, he he like he looks like Surin, and he walks like him. I, I'm gonna go see if it's him. So I got go. I'm like, hey Surin, and he turns around, and it's him. What? And we hadn't planned to be there at the same, but this this, the same dude, you know, the same guy, and and, and uh, I mean Lisbon's close, but hey. To be there on the same day, yeah, in the desert, it's like I was like, well, reality's a little weird. Yeah, reality's a little weird. So it's very. Um, I mean, either way, it's either there's only this reality, mm-hmm. and it's really weird, or we've created some sort of VR. Mm. It's, it's just that's a rabbit hole and a half. Oh, dude, that's a rabbit hole and a half, dude. Yeah. You got to think about too if this is like actual virtual reality, the computer processing power <laughs> must be uh, through yeah. the roof, dude. It's so big. I don't know if you watch any Rick and Morty. Yeah, I was show. thinking of uh, what's that game that they played? Uh, Roy. Roy. That's yeah. What I was <laughs> oh, he's taking Roy off the grid. <laughs> he's got no social security, security number. number. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love that. I love that because it's so it captures a lot of things at the same time. One is like uh, that life um, is just like that. Mm. It's kind of it's that is like a DMT trip I've never tripped mm. on DMT but that's kind of like a DMT trip you, mm-hmm. you have a whole life in, in like a in a game in yeah like a second little little experience he just puts it on and has this lifetime mm. from birth to, to death and uh, another thing uh, is it's a virtual reality yep that's, that's what it is um, it's not like a visual virtual reality it's like you, like you, you are there, there. yeah uh, which is think what virtual reality is going it's, to go it's to. It's definitely headed there. And uh, another thing is uh, it shows you that uh, you got to live life. You can't be like him and just be like a carpet salesman. <laughs> like, like, yeah, Rick was just like, you went back to the carpet store. <laughs> I'm, I, love that you, uh, I love that you brought that up because I went to Stanford VR Labs uh, this past weekend and they had this one exhibit where you meet, um, well, not exhibit, but they were talking about an exhibit where you meet um, yourself an older version of yourself in VR. No way. Mm-hmm. How do they do that? Um, basically, they just scan your face and they make yourself older because you know how they can already do that. Oh, that's true. They basically just do that in VR where you're meeting an older self and they said that a lot of people exhibited more empathy for their for their future. Yeah. Like a lot of more people were investing money into the future, saving money and stuff like that because it, you don't under, really under No one who's young really understands their mortality, usually understands their mortality in a sense of like, like man, I'm going to get old, I need to start like investing money here and you start doing this and you start putting money into like you know just like helping out my older self you know make a better future for myself in a way now that I'm young and yeah they said like when people were like doing that it caused more empathy they said that people who um, they would change their ethnicity too and it would give them more empathy towards people of a Whoa, different race you can do that? Mm-hmm. oh my god you can change their ethnicity cause you're, you're they have what's called uh, they call it body linking and it's when uh, you're in the body of your avatar and you're kind of like messing around and then all of a sudden you, you have this moment where you feel like... That's your body. It's your body. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that part was crazy. I actually tried the first experiment 
that Stanford ever did where they did a they had a third limb coming out of your chest mm-hmm. and that was crazy because they were trying to test if um, if people can like have body linking does that mean that they can be used to extra limbs that aren't actually there and how can they would they be able to operate it in a way that's you know they operate their other limbs mm-hmm. and dude like legit I had this like I put on the goggles and this arm comes out of my chest and they tell you to like hit these squares with each hand like you can move these hands normally and then by tilting your wrists you can move like the and as I'm, like, playing with it, at first it's kind of weird, you know, like, I'm, like, flying all over the place, but then I start to, like, have, get control over it, yeah, and then I get more control over it, and then they take the headset off, and, you know, like, when amputees have their legs, like, cut off and they get, like, those ghost limb? I had, yeah, felt like I had a ghost limb, like, on my chest, yeah, <laughs> so I was like, oh, I can still feel it. Oh, it was so weird. Yeah, but, yeah. I want to be able to, they're, they're talking about, um, uh, it, virtual reality porn and you can like yep. switch you can be a, like a man can be a woman <laughs> and so you can be your girlfriend fucking you <laughs> like you're like that's gonna be scary like though a girl, a girl is, is is you fucking you with your dick <laughs> <laughs> that's gotta be the most terrifying thing dude or like, i don't know like what would that be like we don't I, know. there's gotta be a fetish for that though like really narcissistic people who are like yeah. i just want to fuck myself one day. <laughs> like, yeah. I just wish I could clone myself, go back in time and fuck myself. Yeah, um, so that's gonna be crazy. That's gonna be crazy. VR that's porn all, is a whole that's, other that's a whole other rabbit hole. That's the thing about VR is like VR is a, such a rabbit hole in and of itself. <clears throat> if you like infuse it with any other art form, I don't know if you can call porn art, but if you infuse it with any other like um, form of like you media. know media, it it the implications of it are just enhanced, like, drastically, yeah, exponentially, really, because you think about all of the different perspectives you can take and all of the different experiences you can have. Yeah. I, I was thinking of, uh, well, music is my, one of my favorites. Mm. And um, so they're back in, when they're having holograms, mm-hmm. I was like, that's like, uh, no, I can have, uh, I can see Tupac yep. live. What if you can VR it? Ooh. Then it's just like, yeah, it's easy. easy. But then it's like, am I seeing him? I don't know. It's like, it's like a weird, weird, weird area. <laughs> then it'd be cool to have like concert movies. Concert movies oh, are cool on, its, on their own. But yeah, the, uh, recently I was, uh, I, w- I went to go see um, my first double feature at the Castro Theater. Oh, nice. In San Francisco. It was uh, right after David Bowie died. So the David Bowie double feature mm-hmm. of Labyrinth and The Hunger. Mm. And in between the two films, so after the after the Labyrinth, a lot of people left because they were going partying, whatever. Yeah. Right there. And uh, I moved up really close. And uh, in between the movies, they showed, um, it was uh, footage of uh, David Bowie live uh, from the movie Wir uh, Kinder von Bonhoeffzo, which is a, it's a, it's a German film from uh, the 80s about this little girl who's addicted to heroin in Berlin, in West Berlin, and David Bowie's in it. Like, she goes to see a David Bowie show. Yeah. And she's, like, she's standing there in the front row watching David Bowie, and... Uh, and uh, so the footage is, sh- is shot from like the audience's perspective up from the front row to see David Bowie. What? And uh, and with the huge screen and the, the darkness and the, the huge sound from the from the, the cinema's uh, sound system. Wow. I was like, uh, I've never seen David Bowie live, but this is as close as I'm gonna get. Yeah. I'm gonna see David Bowie live from that perspective in a cinema. Mm-hmm. So what if you can move your head around in virtual Ooh. reality and see David Bowie? Concerts will be dope, man. Yeah. They already do that with. Uh, they just had the first VR stream boxing match um, no way. last week. Oh man! And they put you like, if like if you, you know, can be at Rumble in the jungle. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, they put you on the corner of the boxing ring, uh-huh. so you can look down and watch these boxers just duking it out in like this ring. And then they put you like off to the side with the judges, so you can look up and see what the judges are seeing mm. from their seats too. 
And like just seeing that and knowing that that was a baby step mm-hmm. and that was just the test yeah. for what they're trying to do, I was just like blown away. Like I was like, this is again huge implications with with VR right here, because then you can just, you know, if you wanted to watch uh, NBA finals from the comfort of your own home on the courtside seats, you yeah, can do it. You, you know, but dude, streaming live events yeah. that's gonna change too that's uh, gonna be epic yeah I didn't, I didn't even think about that till now mm. I was thinking of like concerts that happen so they filmed it so you can do mm. that but then now you're saying that live things mm-hmm. can be, be streamed your head. so like, I think what would, they would do I guess would just be have those like uh, all angles or cameras those round cameras you know mm-hmm. it's like they're round cameras and they have cameras all over it's like a ball so yeah. what they have now uh, I learned this when I was studying uh, GIS in Portugal like a, um, you can go to like a town square with this camera and you throw it up into the um, into the sky and it takes a picture while it's up there at mm-hmm. its apex and then so you uh, the photo is uh, all around photo so you can look down up every every angle oh that's and you amazing can, like, you can feel like you're in you're floating in the square oh that's amazing so I think that's what they'll do you use that kind of camera for VR and yeah you just you can move your head around but then eventually I guess they'll have to make it so that you can walk around Mm-hmm. So if you're in Madison oh, that's Square Garden, tough. you can get up and walk around. You know, that's that's tough. tough yeah. yeah, they like Stanford right now. They have a um, a VR set that you can walk around in a fifteen by fifteen room, um, in a space, and that's awesome. But to do like a film, like the, right now, film you can't walk around in any yeah. kind of movie because um, the camera has to be set. And the and like video games, they're mm-hmm. very limited. Like, mm-hmm. They have the setup, but yeah. Still in the baby stuff. Unless it's unless it's CGI, it's a CGI movie. There's no way you're gonna be able to walk around. Right. Cause they have to have cameras everywhere. Yeah. You know? And the camera might be in a certain place, and if someone walks to look underneath the table where the camera hasn't it's been, there. there's nothing there. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's gonna be really hard. I know right now they've already. Um, this is awesome. They've already uh, put in a human actor into a CGI movie in VR. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can, like, scan a person and put that person, have an actor actually be in a CGI environment as if they're actually there. So, at that point, yes, you can get people to walk around and have human actors in the space with you, too. But to do, like, a live, like, live shot thing would be really tough. Right. You know, you'd have to create that space. Yeah. But, well, I, that's, yeah. Getting, that's getting really far ahead. Yeah. I think, like, live, live events and uh, having one of those... All around cameras mm-hmm. is cool already on its own. They're just awesome. Yeah, VR is cool. Everyone should get one because they're awesome. They're, they're coming cheap. out. They're pretty cheap. They're cheap. You can get a Samsung Gear VR right now for like 90, 90 bucks. Damn. And that's And you have the phone. If you have the phone, good. you can do it. You can get the HTC Vive, which is right now that's the step up from the Samsung Gear VR. I'm definitely going to be getting one. That drops pretty soon. I forget when. It, you have to ask Aaron, but mm-hmm. he knows all that shit, all that stuff. But yeah, I'm definitely going to get one of those, because you can actually, it has positioning tracking, so you can actually like lean, mm-hmm. and actually like see things like forward, because right now you can only like, turn static, your head. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's very static, you can look down, up, left, and right, but you can't like lean forward, crouch, or anything like that, like or jump in a space, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be sick. And then they're working on gloves, so you can see your own hands in VR. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're doing like feet tracking too, so you can see your own feet. And they're also doing painting in VR right now, where... They give you a VR paintbrush and you can paint in a 3D space. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is really cool. And that's going to be amazing. So you can see, like, sculptures and walk around them. And and they're not actually there, but in VR they are. <laughs> Isn't that such a crazy moment in history? Dude, we, we were born at the right time. Because no one in the history of, like, mankind has been able to experience VR. Yeah. You know, like, this is a moment where, like, we're actually... Who was the first person? First person to VR? Yeah. 
maybe you know the history better. Or maybe I, you don't I know feel like I should know his name, but I don't. And I and I see his name. I see it starts with a P, and I don't know what the rest of it is. But I wish Aaron was here because he's like the he's the VR expert. Yeah. He knows the history of VR. I gotta talk to him on the podcast. Yeah, I have to bring him onto the podcast. He'll give yeah. you the history. Me, yeah. I'm just the I'm just the. You the, just like the. I, I just like being there to see it. The concepts. I like the concepts. I like to see it. Yeah. I like to think about what I can offer to VR. I yeah. asked that. I, I what. Well, what about Virtual Boy? Wasn't that VR? Not really, I guess. Virtual Boy? Back in the day. That was kind of VR. I mean, any kind of virtual yeah. environment is technically it's VR. It's hard to ca- categorize it because you have all these steps. Yeah. But I only asked that because um, I was that reminded me of this guy, Albert Hoffman. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard of him. But um, he was a scientist in Switzerland, mm-hmm. in, in Zurich, back in the like 19... 19- 10. I think mm-hmm. 1912 is when this particular incident happened. Yeah. But he was a chemist in, in Zurich. And uh, and what he was, was he was the first human being to trip on acid. Oh, yeah. Because he synthesized uh, LCD. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he synthesized LCD. Synthesized LSD. For the, he was the first person to synthesize, synthesize LSD and he, he tested it on himself. And Wasn't he, he riding his bike? And, and, he rode his, and he rode his bike around Zurich. And uh, now it's a holiday. It's called Bicycle Day. So it's the first, it's the first time a human being tripped on acid. That's gotta be an interesting, very like moving moment where you're the only person who's ever tripped their balls yeah. on LSD. Yeah. You know, and you just like have to get someone else to try this because yeah. this is an experience that's epic. But, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of VR. It's like yeah, the people. Um, you just have to show people new experience. It's mm-hmm. a new experience. I, one thing I would do on VR is to do skydiving because I'm not ever gonna go real oh, skydiving. Man, I'm just gonna, I just wanted you know those like wind tunnels. Yeah, just like put you in a wind tunnel and put on the VR goggles and you'll feel like oh, it. Oh my god, it's the same. So like I don't want to do actual skydiving because you could <laughs> die. People, yeah. I think it's like 19 people a year die from skydiving what? a year. So that's not a lot because a lot like everyday people are skydiving, mm-hmm. but. Those are 19 people experiencing the terror of falling straight onto the ground yeah. <laughs> from the sky. That's a lot of people in the sense of, like, these are actual people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's shit. Yeah, this sucks. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's so, crazy, like, yeah. So you could do VR. that without the fear of, um, of dying. They so. actually, um, you know Mythbusters, right? Yeah. They uh, released some VR content uh, recently where they just go scuba diving into, like, abandoned ships underwater. Uh-huh. And you can put on a headset. Headset? <laughs> we can't talk today. <laughs> no, can't talk. But yeah, they go under and they carry this 360 camera into the ship, so you can take a look inside oh, and look, yeah, around, look around. And yeah. it's really. But cool. you're on rails because it's like it's wherever the camera. It's wherever the camera's going to take you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool because I don't I don't want to die underwater either. No. Um, Though, to be honest, that's my number one fear is drowning. Hands down, drowning one. and then falling, yeah, I don't and like then fall. I don't know what my third my third one would probably be on fire. That sucks. That yeah. would suck. Yeah, that'd be but, stupid. Uh, the the whole diving thing. Um, I, I someone told me about uh, the when they're in Mexico. They're, they had a diving instructor or something. He when he was on his off days, he would just uh, he would trip mushrooms and go diving. Like, <laughs> no, wow. Like it's it's, it's like <laughs> there's a lot of space when you're diving, but it feels very claustrophobic. Mm. In my opinion, I've never actually gone diving. But when I'm in the water, I feel very out of my element. Yeah. So. Um, if I were to do that on, 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 on a psychedelic drug, then that would not be the greatest. You gotta think about fish, though. Like, when you catch fish, and does it, I assume it's the same kind of feeling, like, you're just out of your element, yeah. and it's terrifying, because you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. It makes me feel really bad for fish. <laughs> we just empathize with fish hardcore just now. Yeah. I might have become a fish vegetarian. 
I uh, I emphasized uh, emphasized <laughs> <laughs> empathized with fish when uh, I was tripping on acid for uh, the one time I tripped on acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend had a fish bowl, mm. and I was like, "Man, he's just doing what we do, but in his environment. Mm-hmm. Like that's his world. Is this fish bowl in our You put yourself in this perspective. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, that's what that was. Man, but, I've only I've only tripped on acid once, and I was at a concert. And they had me freestyle, and I was actually a really good freestyle rapper. <laughs> that's always good. Yeah, that's, that's I'm, not, cool. I'm not very good at anything when I'm, uh, when I'm under the influence. Of I, I can't even like properly talk to people on acid. I definitely can't really properly talk to people. But for some reason, I can freestyle rap. Like it's no one's business. Well, that's like uh, my first experience with mushrooms. I, uh, I, I, I drew. Mm. Um, my friend had all these colored pencils, an art, art student, he had all these colored pencils, we all just put on music and we all drew, mm. and what I felt was um, my hand making this beautiful work of art by itself without me being part of it. Mm. Um, and this was at the same time that I was uh, I was taking this course called Strategic Military Theory, and oh, we, were, we were learning about... Um, uh, where do decisions and uh, thoughts come from? Mm. Uh, long story short, the con- conclusion was that they're not our thoughts. There's some. There's like a. Th- it's gonna sound like the force. It sounds like the force, but that. it's like this thing that we don't really have control over. Our mm-hmm. thoughts and our creativity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really belong to the I. Mm-mm. It's something. Like, where does a poem come from? Like, does it come from this big? This massive flesh that happens to, happens to have all these electrical currents going on in its head. Um, where is that? And maybe we just make sense of it as from our perspective as as this mound of flesh that has electrical currents yeah. going, that we call consciousness. Right. But where is that from? And it's this. It's not you. It's this mm. this thing. It's called. We what we did was we we read this book called Zen and the Art of Archery. So it's a. Mm. Uh, uh, this guy who learned uh, Zen archery over the course of six years, and hmm. the, the the Zen master said, uh, hitting uh, hitting the target with your arrow, like pulling back the arrow on the bow and letting it go and hitting the target. That's all one system, yeah. and it is. There's he didn't really have. There's not really a good word for it, but it it's it. Yeah, it happens, and what and a really great explanation or metaphor for it is like. It's like when a, a, a bead of dew uh-huh. is uh, is traveling down a blade of grass, and then it hits the, the tip, and at the correct moment, that bead of dew falls to the ground. Mm. And uh, it, it is just what? It is what it is. Yeah. And uh, there's no I in it. Yeah. It happens. Right. Where I don't know how I got onto that, but... Through uh, decisions and creativity, I believe. I think that was what we were talking about. Oh man. Well, we forgot. But we that forgot. was that was something cool. Yeah, that's oh. awesome. I, I actually oh, oh because I was I was drawing. That's yeah, right. That's right. Drawing. It wasn't me. I was complete. When I removed, I didn't remove myself. Something mm. in that moment, I, I I had a separation where I could, I I was like observing my hand, mm. and it was happening to this to this uh, sheet of paper. Mm. The artwork was just happening. That's that's beautiful, actually. <laughs> that sounds like a poem, dude. Um. That's the thing about creativity, though. Like, I agree. Like, there are the moments where I'm creating something. Like, when I make a when I make a comedy film, I do what I feel feels funny, and not what I think is funny. Like, most of the time, like, I'm not thinking like, oh, 
if I do this this decibel and put this here, this will be funny. Funny kind of just happens, you know. Like laughter is one of those things. It's like a spark that you realize, wow, that was actually that actually hit me in my funny bone kind of thing. Um, yeah, when it, it, it's like I find myself a lot of times like when I'm editing, I get stuck in these uh, these like tunnels kind of thing, like where I'm just like honed in on what I'm doing, and I'm only thinking about um, putting clips here, putting this here, putting this here, and everything else like around the world, everything, like, just kind of disappears, and it's just, all I know in that moment is just, how do, how do I get from here, in this part of the film, to here, what I'm seeing in my head, kind of thing, and I'm just working towards that, and then when I look back on it, I see the accumulation of all these small decisions that I didn't even know I was making, make this huge piece of, of work, this, this art that I've created, you know, and I can't recall exactly when I made each decision, but I know that it happened, you know? Have you heard of the flow state? Yep. Yeah, that's what it is. I read a little bit about that, and I watched a video by, uh, um, what was it, uh, Shot of Shot of All. They're like a YouTube channel. They do like little uh, inspirational things about like creativity, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they talk about it. And he's like, you know, trying how to unlock your flow state, kind of. Yeah. Because if you're doing that and you're very deliberately like putting a, a measurable uh, effort, measurable um, decision making on that, it mm -hmm. won't work. But if you if you're true to your craft, mm -hmm. if you're true to your work, uh, you get into this, this like flow state, this, this focus that um, that's untouchable. Yep. Um, and anyone who pops that is immediately an enemy. <laughs> like, why? Why are you yeah. bothering me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, it's hard when you're living in a, in like the environment I live in in a hostel. Where mm. I'm trying to get my stuff done. I mean, that's why I like to do these podcasts is because I get I get away from that and I focus. Mm -hmm on one conversation mm. for for an hour mm -hmm. and um and uh a lot of times when you're when you're meeting new people every day it's um uh, you can have these meaningful conversations but uh a lot of you got a lot of sporadic mm. little just introductions you know mm. um, i i mean do you ever consider this and i think about it a lot but the interruptions that i face like I, I mean, my worldview, I kind of view everything as, as very intentional. I think that everything happens for, for a reason, kind of thing. So when someone, when someone interrupts me, um, in my mind and in my state at that moment, like, I'm, I use that, that interruption as fuel for what I should do next. Like sort of a pivot. Yeah, sort of a pivot, because that's, like, a, like oh, when, you, when you're working... Yeah, when you're working on something, and you're, like, you're going this direction, and someone interrupts you, and you come back, you're coming at it from a different perspective. Mm and then use that perspective to shoot it this direction and go that way. So, for instance, because this is all, like, theory, um, if I was, like, putting together a video about um, this kid who gets kicked out of his house and it's a comedy because he runs into, like, some weirdo who's, like, funny, a clown or something, um, I'll be working from the beginning. This kid wakes up, he gets kicked out of his house, but then someone else comes up to me and he's like, hey, you want to get some pizza? I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. We go get pizza, we come back. And now I, I've got, like... This, this interaction with this person, this, like, this person, personality that I've, like, hung out with, mm -hmm. coming with me into, um, the next story arch, and, yeah. and for some reason, like, I'm like, oh, um, well, I just got pizza, this kid should go get pizza, and then run mm -hmm. into some friends of his, and stuff, blah, 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 and that becomes fuel for, because the more details you put into a story, the yeah. more immersive And you never, you never know what's gonna, like, affect you, or mm -hmm. have an influence on your creative process, mm -hmm. so, yeah. That's it may not even be right away. It might be like yeah. an interaction like you had a week ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how I. I mean, that reminds me of uh, in travel. 
mm. when you when you uh, when you just happen to get caught up in situations. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of my favorite ones is when I, I was going to Porto for the first time. It's in northern, this is the second biggest city in Portugal, and I was on the plane and uh, I just happened to be the whole the whole fucking plane. I happened to be seated next to this uh, this American couple, mm-hmm. I, and I was sitting next to them, and I, I heard them their accent, and I was like, "Oh, they're they, they're American." Mm-hmm. So I started talking to them, and I say like, we say maybe like two sentences, and then we we all like um, for the next forty five minute flight, we were just chilling, and then when we mm-hmm. got off the plane, we started talking some more, and then we ended up spending the whole weekend together. Oh, and then their And their friend uh, came to meet us as well, and mm-hmm. uh, my entire trip would have been entirely different if yeah. I hadn't met them on, and if we hadn't been seated together on the plane. Yeah. And uh, that's amazing. Like, our, our stories, our travel story to, to Porto is forever intertwined mm. like this, mm. and uh, it's just amazing. It's just, it happened, and if I had gone a different day, mm-hmm. maybe taken a different flight, it would have been seated completely different. different. Completely different. And, uh, it's I, unforg- unforgettable. I, I like to think about we picked up a couch actually from this um, nice couple uh, a couple days ago and I had this moment like this I don't know it's like I guess a creative moment or something where I realized I was never going to see these people ever again kind of thing like I was just coming by to pick up a couch from some random strangers who were going to move somewhere else mm-hmm. and I'll probably never see them again um, I was like man like they're going to die before I see them you know but for some, I know it's, it sounds <laughs> sad but I, I, I jumped from there to this is like my snapshot my snapshot of their lives for me like their lives are so much deeper than what i'm seeing right now but this is what i've been given to remember them by like i don't know how they got had children i don't know how they came to to become a couple but i got to witness this this um, flicker flicker of their lives you know in this in this moment and for me that was kind of like a spark i was like man there's so many like people if you, you pass by every day that you're just getting flickers flickers yeah. flickers of people's and everyone lives. has the whole story mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's crazy that's um that reminds me of uh there's this part in um uh, marcus aurelius he's a he's a roman uh he was a roman uh commander and also a statesman um, back in the day and mm-hmm. he, he had written this uh journal called meditations mm. and one of the things that i love it it's when he says uh he says, in a nutshell, he says, today, he wakes up. He's like, today I'm going to wake up and i got to think about this. i got to think, I'm going to run into people who I'm going to clash with. Mm. We're just not going to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to remind myself that uh, this is, like you said, just this flicker, just this moment that we're, we're coming in contact. It could be violent. It could be just nasty and I'm not going to like it. <laughs> but they have been... They're just living their lives like I'm living my life, and uh, and we're all basically doing the same thing, which is just trying to figure things out. Right. And we shouldn't be. You should appreciate that moment, because just like the two hands work together and two like legs work together to move the whole, the whole human, mm-hmm. uh, all of humanity is working together to uh, mm-hmm. to figure out or just sort of try to come to the realization of what's actually happening mm-hmm. uh, so you might be going to war with these people but uh, but ultimately but we're at, all on the same yeah, team we're all thing. trying to figure it out and yeah. you gotta if you walk down the street yo what's up yo what's up, man? we're doing a podcast we're actually recording but this is our but this is my roommate Diego <laughs> it's all good man Diego <laughs> <laughs> and you can stick around it's all good but it's uh well I mean 
It's a great place to end. The that podcast. was that was That's actually that was a hour. snapshot right there of, one, yeah. of Diego. You That's guys a, got to see my roommate Diego come in and hear his voice and yeah. see the you know get a piece of who he is. <laughs> But yeah, awesome. that's, a, that's a good place to end it. A lot cool. of great thoughts today. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, a little primer on virtual reality for those mm-hmm. who don't know. And uh, yeah, just want to thank you for being on Fun Boat Diplomacy. Dude, it was fun. It was nice to be here. Yeah, and we'll probably do some more. Uh, sure, we'll have to bring Aaron along next time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone who knows more, maybe, about VR. Mm. But yeah, thanks. No worries.